Amen. Praise God. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Praise God. God is good. Thank you, worship team. Happy Father's Day as Anthony did a great job today uh, illustrating that for us. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, today we're going to go on ahead and, and continue in our series, but before we, uh, we do that, I just, you know, really want to thank uh, fathers or men, father-like figures uh, who love Jesus Christ, who have been great example uh, to, to people. You know, yesterday after my daughter's uh, softball game, we, I took my father out to, uh, to breakfast, brunch, whatever you want to call it, and as we were eating there, my mom's looking around and she's like, wow, it's not, it's not as, as filled as it would be on, on Mother's Day weekend. And my father's like, don't you know it's, it's Father's Day? Nothing's ever filled you know, with Father's Day, you know, for the mothers is this big thing, and for the fathers is just this little thing like that, and, and, and unfortunately, some of that can be true, but praise God uh, for, for, for men who stand in the gap, you know, praise God for, uh, for, for fathers who, who love Jesus, who have said, hey, I'm going to be the best dad that I can be, or people, figures that others can look at and say, hey, you might not be my dad, but man, you've taught me so much when it comes to God and, and what it looks like to be a man of God. Amen. So, so thank you. If, you. if you have been that for someone or if you are a father yourself, thank God for you today. And so we're going to continue quickly this series. I, I want to go on ahead and kind of end this here this week. We've been talking about uh, this topic. We're in a prophetic pause, first of all. So all of our locations are preaching different things. And I just felt led to go this way. But we're talking about what happens when you die. I'm not sure how many of you here have been with me the last three weeks as we've been talking about this. But, you know, the first week, if, if you haven't, and you, you've been away, you've been vacation, whatever the case is, and you haven't heard the first two messages, just get up. And, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> Make sure that when you get home at some point this week, listen to it. Listen to it. Because they kind of go all together. The very first week, we talked about what is it that happens to, to you as soon as you die, right? We talked about, well, first, when your life, when the chapter ends on your life, the, the end credits come up in your life, you close your eyes with this body for, for, for all time, the first thing that happens is, well, you die. Your body dies. Then we talked about how your soul is separated from your body. And then somewhere along the way, at, sooner or later, you, you face judgment. We've talked about the great white throne judgment. Either your name is in the book of life or not. Or, and we talked about the judgment seat of Christ where Christ goes out ahead. And he's not judging the believers, but he's giving you your rewards for what it is that you did, for the people that you bring to Christ, the people you baptized, the, you know, just for, for doing what you were supposed to do. God says, good job, my well and faithful servant. Here's your reward. We talked about that. Then... When, you, when that's done, there's two things. Either you spend all eternity in heaven or you spend all eternity in a place called hell. And last week we talked about hell. We talked about, we talked about the horrors of being separated from God eternally in a place that Scripture calls hell. We talked about that. So make sure that you go on ahead and you listen to that. It was a little bit of a, you know, rough uh, 30, 45 minutes to go through, but it was something that was a necessity to talk about, right? 
But today, we're going to go on ahead and we're going to talk about heaven. But as we sum all this up, some, some may say, well, Pastor, why are we, why are we talking about this? Pastor, I, I just want to, I want to live today. I, I don't want to think about death. How many people probably have thought that in their mind? I don't want to think about death. Anytime someone starts talking, you go into a conversation, they're talking about death, you, death, you just get up and you go walk somewhere else. I just want to be happy here. Don't make me think about death. But I have told you that it's very, very important that we talk about eternity. We have to be people, even in the church, that we don't just talk about love. We don't just talk about friendship. We don't just talk about loving our neighbor, but we talk about eternity because that is something that each and every one of us will deal with. Because as I've been talking to you, the key of this message series is what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. And so that's my goal has been to paint a clear but simple picture on what eternity looks like. What you believe about forever impacts how you live now. In other words, if you believe that, hey, life is just an accident, either you believe that or someone you know believes it. Life is just an accident. It has no purpose. There's really no purpose for me being here. If you believe that when you die, I'm just going to go right back to the ground and nothing happens, then I would agree with you. Why not live for the right now? Why not live however it is that you want? Why not live in a way that satisfies every single desire of your flesh? If there's no standards, if there's no truth, you might just do whatever it is that you'd like to do. But if on the other hand, if you believe that you were created by God, if you believe that you were created by God for his glory and that you will live somewhere in all eternity at one point or another, that ought to dramatically alter the way that you live today. And so today, I want to talk to you about heaven. And as I, as I talked to you about heaven, as I was kind of putting these, this together, in reality, you can do an eight-week series on heaven, but just respecting this three-week timeline here, I came to the realization that no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to really succeed at this message when it comes to describing what heaven is like. I can't do heaven justice. It's impossible for me to really describe the glory of heaven the way it ought to be described. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he even, he proves my point of what I'm saying when he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Listen to this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Really allow that piece of paper to aggravate it. Think about this for a moment. No eye has seen, is what Paul says. No ear has heard. No mind has imagined. And we got some pretty imaginative minds. I mean, think about the minds that put these movies together that we're just in awe. Like, this is amazing. This is beautiful. How could someone think to put a film together like this, and yet not even they could go on ahead and film the beauties of heaven? 
So although I can't do it justice, I want to let God's word do all the work for me today. I want to go on ahead and I want to read you just a couple portions of scripture. And before I do that, listen, for those of you who are here today and you feel a little bit heavy, you feel a little heavy today, you're under the weight of the concerns of this world, you feel burdened, maybe you're here today, you feel worried, you feel anxious, maybe you feel, you feel concerned, I pray that the word of Jesus, that it would give you faith, that the word of Jesus, even as I'm reading it, would give you hope in the middle of what might be a very difficult season for you, amen? John chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. Listen to what it says here. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many. Everyone say many. Many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare, prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Thomas, who always had a kind of hard time understanding things, he says this. He says, Lord, we don't know where we are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do him. You, you, for now on, you do know him and have seen him. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I am going to prepare a place for you, is what pas the passage says. So we know as we're entering, as we're talking about heaven, Jesus is saying, "Hey, I'm up. I'm sending the Holy Spirit down here. I'm going to prepare a place for you." The words of John when he was exiled into the island of Patmos, he. He had a vision that was given to him by the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God revealed to him that which was to come. So now I want to take you to Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. This is what the Apostle John goes on ahead, and he sees via the Holy Spirit. It says this. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old, old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In verse 7, it says, those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. We hear a beautiful picture here of what God, the Holy Spirit, has shown John of what heaven is going to look like. Don't let your hearts be troubled, is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Do you believe him? I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell him, I plan on seeing you in heaven. 
Hey, for the one for the one that was it was hard to say that. I don't care how angry you are at him or her. Make sure you let him know that, okay? All right. In order to try to help you understand what heaven is, my goal here is going to be to show you what heaven is not, okay? Because I believe that a lot of people, and we've read, last week I read a bunch of stats to you, but I believe that a lot of people have misconceptions of what heaven is going to look like. So today, very briefly, I want to kind of take those misconceptions out of your mind. The, the first misconception that I want you to know is this, and that is that, he, uh, or the misconception that people have is that heaven is boring. Heaven is boring. That's the first misconception that people believe. Why do so many people believe that heaven is boring? I think that one of the reasons, first and foremost, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and that is that the devil is a liar, right? The devil, he speaks his native language, and when I think of the devil, who is Satan, he is the father of lies, he is, but the father of lies, this devil, like I talked about last week, who a lot of us in our minds see him dressed in a red suit with horns and, and, and a pitchfork and all this type of stuff. In reality, he's the same creature. He's the same creature that was Lucifer. And Lucifer was one of the archangels that was, that, that was created by the glory of God for the glory of God. If you've read, if you've studied a little bit of the passages, there was Michael, there was Gabriel, and there was Lucifer. Lucifer was more like Kind of like the, the worship angel. He was glorious. He was a glorious creature in heaven. But the problem with Satan was he was jealous. He was jealous and he wanted the glory that God had. And five different times in the book of Isaiah, he essentially said, I will be like God. I want to be like God. And we know that the word says that God can have no other. And so God goes on ahead and he casts them out of heaven as well, and also a third of the heavens with him. And many theologians believe that these are the demonic forces that we deal with today. But what does Lucifer, what does Satan, the prince of darkness, what is it that he does today? He lies. He deceives us. He comes to, to, to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy, as the Bible says, everything that matters to the heart of God. So if you matter to the heart of God, what you do, his goal is to come kill, steal, and destroy everything about you. Like I mentioned last week, if I were the devil, I would try to convince the world what most of the world already believes. And that is that hell is not a real place. Or at least that you shouldn't worry about hell. And I would try to convince you that heaven is boring. You're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever listening and watching the big fat angels with wings playing the harp the same tune every day you know the images we see with the angels that are floating around i was young and i was like what are we going to do in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and ever especially this generation is probably really hard for them because they get bored after two minutes if i were the devil i'd tell you man why why you might as well live for today because this is all that matters heaven is boring why would you want to go there why would so many people think that heaven is boring? It's probably because a lot of people think that God is boring. Some people may say, man, God is a killjoy. Everything that's fun, I can't do. God robs us of everything that is fun. 
what I hope that you understand is this, and that is that heaven will be the opposite of boredom. Want to know why? Because if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I don't think I put this up for them. But heaven is the absence of everything evil, and it is the presence of God. Heaven will be the absence of everything evil, and it is the presence of God. And when you think about it, think about it, everything that you enjoy right now in earth is a result of a gift of God from God in heaven. Everything that you love, everything that you enjoy, it's a result of a gift from God. And you go to your favorite place and you go on ahead and, and, and you eat your favorite food. In your mind, you've been thinking about this place. Oh, I love that dish at that restaurant. Oh, maybe today my family will take me for Father's Day. And you're thinking about it. And you go on ahead, and, and, and you're finally there. What is it that you're going to enjoy that food with? You enjoy that, you're going to enjoy that food with the taste buds in which God gave you, right? When you, when, when you go to some beautiful place, and you see the glory of creation, you're like, oh, man, look at the, man, that's beautiful, man. That, 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 that shows me the glory of God. What is it that you're enjoying that with? What are you enjoying that creation with? You're enjoying it with the eyes. That God has given you to see with the eyes that God has given you to enjoy the beauty of what it is that he created. You feel the joy when you laugh, when you feel loved. All of these things are all emotions that have been given to you by a good God in heaven who loves to give good gifts to his children here on earth. When you go to, when you go to heaven, you enjoy everything that you enjoy here on earth. But you know what? There'll be no more sin. When you go to heaven, there'll be no more pain. We enjoy a lot of these things here on earth, but we still got to deal with the ugliness of things as well, right? There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more death. It's the absence of everything that is evil. Imagine waking up every morning and hearing nothing but good news on the news. Today on Heaven Forecast. It is the presence of everything good. Heaven is the opposite of boredom, church, and it is the presence of God. And I want to show you a few different things from Scripture of what we do know what heaven will be like, what will happen in heaven, what will heaven be like. And so to save time, I'm not going to go through all these verses. If you're taking notes, I'll just give you the, the chapter and the verse, and you can go home later on and take a look at them. But first of all, what we do know about heaven is that we will know one another we will love and we will be loved. And if you want to look at that later on, this is just one passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. In heaven, that's a lot, you know, a lot of questions people have. Will I know, you know, my grandfather in heaven? Will I know my wife? In heaven, we will recognize one another. We will know, we will love. In heaven, we will be loved. You can go up to Peter. He goes, oh, hold on, where's Peter? Let me find Peter. Hey, Peter, how cool was it to walk on water? You can go up to David, and you can say, hey, David, hey, when you know when you, know, when you hit Goliath with that stone, was it all skill? Was it luck? Was it all God? Was it all you? Was it a little bit of both? Ladies, if you had a difficult childbirth, you can go straight up to Eve, and you can just look at her and say, woman, what were you thinking? Was that fruit worth it? Think about it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You will know 
and you will be known. You will love, and you will be loved. For those of you who lost loved ones who were in Christ, those of you who maybe have lost a child, who've lost a spouse, who have lost a relative or a friend or, you know, you know a father, right? You're going to be reunited with those that you love. Just think about that. That right there ought to get you excited. And yet, there'll be no heartache. There'll be no rejection. There'll be no pain. In heaven, only perfect love. What will heaven be like? The second thing I want to show you is heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty. Heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty. If you're taking notes, you can read this later on. Revelations chapter 21, verses 15 through 21, you'll see some of this information. But I want you to think about this, because I just, we just read, right? If, if no eye has seen, if no ear has heard, if no mind has conceived what God has prepared for them, that would imply perhaps that maybe, just maybe, when you get up to heaven, there's going to be new colors. Maybe there'll be new sensations, new beauty of the created world as God establishes a new and a glorified heaven. I want you to think about the beauty of this world. Think about the beauty of this world. Just imagine how much more beautiful that would be. And some of us want to say, boring? Imagine going anywhere that you ever wanted to go and traveling for the next 10 years. I said, here, here's enough money to travel for the next 10 years and see all of God's glorious creation. Now imagine you seeing all of that without sin. Man, how much more beautiful that would look. Imagine like going to a big old petting zoo where all the animals treated uh, each other. They were all tame. The lions are laying down with the, with the lambs. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no pain. Think about the most beautiful place that you've ever been on the planet. For me, I know it was in 2019 before the whirlwind hoops. When my wife and I went to, to Hawaii, we were in the island of Oahu, and at one point, we went on ahead and, and we got on this tour bus, and this tour bus took us uh, places that it's hard for you to get to on your own. And on one side, we're seeing these beautiful mountains and cliffs and just amazing with the, with the, with the sky in the background. And the other side of the road was just, just the, the ocean so beautiful. And I just remember my wife turning over to me, and she says, babe, I have never seen such beautiful colors before. The way you would walk out of the hotel room and just take a look at the ocean and, and everything, the scene, it was just like, like it was painted with HD colors compared to what we are used to seeing here. So heaven is going to be a place of unimaginable beauty, even more beautiful than that. Whatever place you've traveled to, you said this is beautiful, 10, 20, 30 times more beautiful than that. What else will heaven be like? In heaven, we're going to see, this is one of the things that, get, that, that has me excited, we're going to see Jesus face to face. In heaven, we're going to see Jesus face to face. And if you're taking notes, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. But most people, they don't understand really what this means. See, for us, we see this and we're just thinking about just the regular Jesus that, 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 that walked the face of this earth. But if you look throughout Scripture, you, you'll recognize that you can't be in the full presence of God and live. Because even Jesus Christ, while he walked through this earth, being fully God and fully human, he wasn't fully glorified. Moses said, 
If you remember, I want to see your glory. You remember that conversation they had? He says, I want to see your glory. God says, you can't handle my glory. God said, I'll just pass by you. I'll give you just a glimpse of the very end. And when it goes by, though, you're still not going to be able to handle my glory. Every year in the Old Testament, when the high priest, when they were to enter, and I taught to you guys this, when they were entering to the holies of holies there in the tabernacle, it was, it was known as the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament. It's like where his presence seat was seated here on earth. When that high priest, who was the only one able to go in there, they would actually tie a rope around his ankle. Did you know that? They would tie his rope because he would have to go in there and provide the sacrifice and all, and all this stuff and sprinkle the blood that would atone our, our, the sins of the people in there in the Ark of the Covenant. But they would tie a rope to his leg because if he came too close to the presence of God, they were afraid that the presence of God would just make him drop dead and die. And nobody else was going to go in there and get him. That's why they tied a rope on his foot. They'll just go out ahead and drag him on out. I remember hearing a story. It was intriguing when I was a kid. Because all throughout Scripture, you couldn't be in the very presence of God and live. That's how glorious, mighty he is. Yet one day, listen to me, one day you're going to see Jesus face to face in all his glory. In all his glory, eye to eye, when no one else throughout history could look at him face to face in all his glory and live. You'll go, you're going to go on ahead and look at him in his face, and then you're going to, at that moment, you're going to realize, man, I have never truly lived, but now I have. In heaven, you will have a new, you will have, and I know this is going to get a lot of people excited. In heaven, you're going to have new and perfect bodies. Yeah, go ahead, clap, clap. I spent 45 minutes having a conversation with my wife on this, and she's asking, well, how is it going to be? Am I going to be like when I was 18? Am I going to be when I was 19? Listen, your grandfather got sick. His mind faded away. When you see your grandpa again, he's going to be well. He's going to be whole. He's going to be perfect in every way. Your receding hairline, full head of hair, man. You have migraines, whatever it is that you battle with, in heaven, your body's going to be perfect in every way. That ought to get you excited as well. What will heaven be like? Heaven is the absence of everything bad, painful, and evil. It's the presence of everything good, holy, and glorious. If you're taking notes, Isaiah 65, verses 21 through 22, and Revelation chapter 21, verse 24. Based on my study on heaven, will actually have the glory of working for Jesus. See, we're just not going to be in a big, long worship service. I don't care how good it is, Maverick City on steroids. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not just going to be the same thing. We'll be working for Jesus in a way that we love, in a way that we enjoy. It won't be a curse like working is right now. But it will be a blessing as it was originally intended. So in other words, you're going to be able to do whatever it was that you were passionate about. You know, whatever it is that you're passionate about, 
passionate about right now is probably because God has given you that gift. You know, if you love gardening, you'll be going on ahead in, in God's gardens, uh, gardening tomatoes that are going to look like steroids, like they're on steroids. They're going to be just so big and juicy. If you love to sing, it's maybe you say, man, I got that passion to sing. It just doesn't come out right on this side of eternity. You'll be there in heaven sounding better than Adele, man. You'll be able to build things. You'll be creating things. But most importantly, you'll be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. Whatever that you can imagine heaven is like, man, heaven is better. There'll be no more death. Listen to me. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. There'll be no more sickness. In heaven, there'll be no more fear, no more stress, no more anxiety, no more sleepless nights. In heaven, there'll be no more betrayal, no more abuse, no more heartache, no more divorce. In heaven, there'll be no more disease, no more violence, no more injustice, no more racism. In heaven, there'll be no more bathroom in the middle of the night like a lot of us struggle with. There'll be no more bad breath. There'll be no more Mondays. Come on, you know you don't like Mondays. Right about after service, you're thinking already about, ah, tomorrow's Monday. So boring? I don't think so. Heaven is the opposite of boring. It is the absence of evil and the presence of God. So whatever it is that you think of heaven, man, it will be that much better. Because what? The Bible says, no eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen? So that was the first misconception that I wanted to get out the way. Hopefully I did. Heaven is not boring. The, sef- the second misconception that we have is about heaven is that, yeah, heaven's not really our home. This is our home. This world is our home. So many people wrongly believe that this world is our home. So many of us believe that this world is actually what matters. But the Apostle Paul, he tells the Philippian believers this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. He says this. He says, their destiny is destruction. Whose destiny? Those that don't have their faith in Jesus Christ that believe that this world is all that matters. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is where? In heaven. And we are eagerly awaiting a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying here, he's he's talking about those that didn't know Christ, even those that were enemies of Christ. He's saying their minds are set on what? On earthly things, in other words. Their minds are set on earthly things. Their mind is set on what, for them, what matters now. What I have now, that's what matters. What I look like, that's what matters. Where I go, how I dress, what I own, what I wear, where I live, that is what matters. Some of us know people that live this way. My bank account, your opinion of me, this world is what matters. But listen, I want you to understand the scripture says that your life is just but a miss. All right? The Bible says that your life just is it'll just fade away is here today and it's gone tomorrow and boy oh boy some of us are working so hard for this little piece of our existence when we have all this of eternity 
You're here just for a moment, and then you're gone. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, and that is that all eternity is what matters. But so many of us are living for the here and now. I'll give you just an example, and this is not bad. This is good. You should plan, right? But some of us, we work so hard, and you hear conversations, man, I'm, I'm, I've been working so hard so that I can stack up and save so that when I can retire, I've got what I need. Good. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just want to give you an example that we work so hard, right? We, 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 we get all the education that we need. We stay up late, we study, we stay up late and make sure that the reports are due for work or whatever the case is, and we work hard, hard, hard. We show up every day on time. We hardly ever cancel because we want to make sure that we do well to stack up our retirement savings, and we, we study and seeing what's good, where should I put my money. We do all these things, and they're very good things to do. However, what I'm trying to say is the same energy that we put in taking care of ourselves for what we believe is going to be our future here on this earth, we ought to put that same energy in our eternity. Because the reality is, I don't know if I'm going to hit 65, 70, whatever the age may be, but I know I'm going to die. I can die tomorrow. I can die when I'm 70, when I'm 80. And I'm not trying to tell you, don't do that. Don't plan. Don't save for your future. No, do that. But make sure that you're putting that same energy, that same time, the same urgency in preparing for your future that you do in preparing for your eternity. Because if it doesn't matter in eternity, sometimes you really got to think, why am I going to let it stress me in the here and the now? There's some things that stress us out so much, right? Right now, this is stressing me out right now. Well, is it going to matter in eternity? You got to ask yourself that question. Because what I want to do is I want to live here on this side of eternity in a way that makes a difference when I am in eternity. You see, because what matters in eternity is, is how I love in the here and the now. What matters is in eternity is is what is it that I give? What matters in eternity is right now, who is it that I am serving? What matters in eternity is right now is, is, is what I say that gives life instead of being so upset and so obsessed with what happens in the here and now. Because if it doesn't matter in eternity, then I've got to be careful not to let it upset me in the here and now. But whatever I do here, if it does matter in heaven when I get there, then by all means, I want to live the way I ought to live today. And this is what Paul says that is so powerful to me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. You see that? The things we see now will soon be gone. The problem is, for some of us, all we see is the now. All we see is what's in front of us. All we see is what we can imagine. But what Paul is saying, was Paul is saying, the things that we cannot see, those are the things that are going to last forever. We have to realize and recognize, church, that this misconception that this world is our home, we have to understand that this world is not our home, that we're just missed. And we appear here just for a little bit. People that are standing in your shoes, doing what it is that you do, 
fulfilling your occupation. People did that also, and they're gone. And you'll be gone, and someone else will be taking your shoes as well and your place. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. I want you to know that and understand that. There's so many misconceptions about heaven. Heaven is boring. It's not boring. It's the absence of evil and the presence of God. This is our world. This is what matters. Nope. This world is just a mist. It'll be gone before you know it. Therefore, help me live today for what matters most. The third misconception about heaven is this. This is a big one. And this is the final one. Most people are going to heaven anyway. I read the stats to you. I don't have them with me of how many people believed they were going to go to heaven last yesterday, or not yesterday, but last week I told you that. But all around the world today, so many people wrongly believe that most people are going to heaven anyway. It's okay. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I believe. Most people are going to go, go to heaven anyway, right? I mean, good people, all good people are going to go to heaven, right? I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. I'm not a drug dealer. I haven't abused everyone. I'm not a bad person. Heaven is the default destination, right, Pastor? No. It's not. Talked about this last week. Don't forget about what Jesus said, right? And I want you, I told you last week, I want you to take it very seriously today, what Jesus said. He says this. He said, Broad is the road and wide is the path that leads to destruction. Remember that? And then he says, many people are on it. He's saying, broad is the road. The road that leads to hell is wide. And there's a whole bunch of people on that road, is what Jesus says. These are his words, not mine. Then he says, but narrow is the road and small is the gate that leads to life, that leads to heaven. Narrow is that road. Small is that gate. And how many people are on it? A few people. So you ask me, or you answer me, are the majority of people going to heaven? Based on what Jesus is saying here. The truth is, and I explained this in detail last week. I don't want to spend too much time on it. You can listen to it next week or um, when you get home in last week's message. But the truth is that good people don't go to heaven when they die. Right? You know who goes to heaven? Forgiven people. That's who goes to heaven. People who have been forgiven by the grace of Jesus. I want you to feel the power of God's word to internalize it. I want it to impact you. I want to read God's word over you and let let it move you. I want to let it stir you, to shake you, to create a sense of urgency of, in you. And this is what Scripture says here in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, and I'm reading to you from the New Language Translation, the NLT. They might have the NIV up here. But verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who has sinned? All have sinned, meaning you have sinned, meaning I have sinned. So when you look at this passage, when you really look at it, we have to be careful on how we use the well, what good people ought to go to heaven. Remember I told you last week, my good neighbor who makes good brownies, she doesn't know Jesus, but God's not going to send her to hell. God can't send someone who makes good brownies to hell. 
not about good and bad. Are you forgiven? Because I'll tell you right now, when we try to categorize ourselves as good, we think we're good. But I want to ask you, there's people here that I bet that are sitting right here looking at me or people that are listening to me online who have lied. Right? I'll tell you, raise your hand. I don't want to put you on the spot. There's people sitting here today who have stolen. Somebody said, I never stole. I never robbed a bank. Yeah, you probably took a pen that didn't belong to you. Actually, I'm missing two. Some of you here today have cheated one way or another. Somebody said, no, I don't. Yeah, you remember we just cheated on that uh, physics class um, junior year. Yeah, I remember that day really clearly. I say that to tell you that if you ever truly understand the holiness of God, if you truly understand the holiness of God, you become aware of the sinfulness of mankind. To understand how sinful we are, you have to understand how holy God is. We're not good. According to scriptures, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. I don't have to convince you of that. It's there. It's written in the word. But the beautiful thing is this. And you know what? Is what I love that it says in verse 24. And this is the NLT version. It says, yet God. Everyone say, yet God. Man, say yet God one more time. Because we all deserve death. We all deserve, we all deserve to live in hell. Because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. God is not, doesn't put you on a scale on how good you are. Either, either you're with him or you're not. Either you're hot or you're cold. There's no lukewarm. Either you're forgiven or you're not. We all deserve sin. That is the penalty. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. Someone ought to say amen. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. The wages of sin is, God, is, is, is death, yet God provides a way. Don't, don't tell me, I don't like it that God sends good people. No, he allows us the opportunity, right? We talked about this last week. We all struggle with ugliness, man. Our nature craves sin. I talked to you about last week about how babies, you don't got to teach them to be selfish. Just give them uh, their, 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 their toy and then take it away from them right now. They're going to yell at you, no, it's mine. We didn't train them that way. It's naturally there. But God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. How are we made right with God? People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life by shedding his blood. That's all you got to do. And then, and then he doesn't even make it that hard. You understand? Like, you just got to believe it. You know, when I was preparing this series, as we're getting ready to close it, I, I was asking the Lord to help me do two things in this series. And I really hope that I have been able to achieve these things. The first thing that I wanted to do in this series was I wanted to relieve fear. Relieve fear. And you may be saying, what are you talking about? Well, if you're in Christ, listen to me. If you are in Christ, you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear it. Remember what Paul says? Hey, you know, if I stay here, it's good for you guys, you know, and good for me because I continue to do what God wants me to do. But if I die, better yet because I'm with Jesus. You're right. 
if you are with Christ, you're right with God. You don't have to fear because the grace of Jesus, it's the righteousness of Christ. You don't have to fear because you, you've got that. My second goal was to increase urgency, and that's the thing that I really wanted to do the most. I wanted to help you to recognize one thing, and that is that life is short. Life is so short. I mean, talk about baptism Sunday. I remember one time we baptized someone here and found out, I think a week or two later, that they, 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 they died. Life is short, and what we do here in this life, it matters, church. Eternity matters. I wanted a relief here. I wanted to increase urgency. Those of you who say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, yet I want to be more, I want to be more spiritually urgent. I, I want that, that urgency. I want my life to count. I want to be consumed by serving and loving and showing the grace of Jesus. I want that what, what, what happens here is going to truly impact my eternity. I don't want to just be filled with the here and now. I want what I do now to matter. I want it to increase my spiritual urgency. Well, I say amen. Amen if that's the case. Continue to seek God. Continue to ask God, God, show me what else that I can do because my life here matters. Give me the strength. Give me the boldness to talk to my friends, my family members, my co-workers, to share to them the love of Jesus Christ because what I do here matters. And in closing, there are some of you that, that have the weight, that have the fear of what would happen if this life was over. You know, growing up as a kid, I don't know if it was just me, but I grew up with that fear, maybe because I grew up in Pentecostal churches. But I was scared to death of what was going to happen to me uh, when I would die. You know, I would think to myself, man, have I, have I been good enough? I know all my secret sins. Have, have I been too bad? So I would go to church, I would, I would try to do good, I would try to dedicate my life only to just mess up again. Does that sound familiar? Have I been good enough? I was young, and I'm not going to blame that I was young, but it wasn't until a certain age that I said, man, I didn't even realize that the Scripture says I'd never be good enough. You know, some of us were playing this game religion, and we're trying to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough, no matter what you do. And that is why the gospel is such good news. That's why the gospel is such good news, because Jesus was good enough for us. Say amen to that. I'm not good enough. There's nothing I can do that's going to be good enough. I'm always going to mess up. I'm always going to, I'm always going to, you know, make God say, oh, I'm always going to offend somebody. I'm going to forget to say hi to somebody. I don't have to be good enough because Jesus has already been good enough. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was righteous. He died in our place. And when he shed his blood, you know what? His blood covers the multitude of our sins. He was obedient even to death on the cross when he died. And three days later, as the word of God shows us, God raised him from the dead. That tomb is empty. His body's not there. He has been lifted. He has been raised. Why? So that anyone, anyone, including you, doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where it is that you have been. It doesn't matter how dark your life has been. Anyone, everyone say anyone, 
who calls on the name of the name that is above every other name, that name being Jesus, that person will be saved. There's some of you today that you're under that weight. You're under that condemnation. Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is no longer condemnation over you. For those who are in Christ, no longer are condemned. Today, you need to break the lies of Satan. Why? Because if you profess Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior, you have freedom in Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet as you pray. Stay with your, with, with your eyes closed. I just want to do something publicly really quickly, really quickly with your eyes closed. I want you to know this and understand. That's what I'm talking about, urgency and all these things. But some of it is we have to just declare it publicly. This is what Jesus said. Just there. Just meditate right here, right there with your eyes closed. This is what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, hey. He says, if you like to talk about me before people, I'm going to talk to my father about you. I don't know about you, but I hope that Jesus is doing a lot of talking to God about me. But in order for that to happen, Jesus says, you have to talk to me. You got to talk about me to people. He also says, but if you're ashamed of me before people, listen to this. If you are ashamed of me before people, I don't know how to represent you before my father. Listen to that really good. So right here in the presence of everyone, if you're watching us online as well, in front of God, in front of everybody, in front of me. If you're there and you're sitting there, you realize and you recognize what I've been telling you. Yeah, we, 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 we have sin. We do sin. We struggle with sin. Then right there where you're at, I want you to just go on ahead and repeat these words. You can repeat them right there where you're at. Say, Lord, I need forgiveness. Today I turn from my sin. I turn towards Jesus. When you call on him, church, listen, he hears your prayers. When you call on him, he forgives your sins. When you call on him, the Bible says you are made new. Father God, I come before you right now. Lord, and I pray for your church here today. I pray for the eyes who have seen, the ears who have heard, the hearts who have received. Your word throughout this series, God, of what happens when our life on this side of eternity ends. Lord, I pray, God, that it would have relieved the fear that, hey, if you've died in Christ, there's no reason to fear. That it would have given your church an urgency as we've spoken about the, the horrors of hell, the beauties of heaven the reality that we all will face. I pray, Lord, that your church today, Father God, Lord, Father, would have that urgency, Lord, to, to speak to others about you, to reflect upon their own lives of what you've done for them. That those who need a wake-up call, Lord, that you would wake them up. That those that need encouragement, you would encourage those who need boldness, you would give them boldness. I pray, Father God, Lord, that we would live with that urgency. 
that we would know, Father God, that what we do here directly impacts our eternity. Lord, as we get ready to dismiss today, Father God, I pray right now, Lord, for your church. I pray, Lord, that you would be with them. I thank you for this day in which we celebrate, Father, our fathers, God. We thank you because you display to us what it is to be a true father. We thank you for being a father who never leaves us, who's never forsaken us. We thank you for being a father who walks with us through the valleys of the shadow of death. We thank you for being a father who encourages us. We also thank you for being a father who disciplines us. We thank you for being a father who keeps his promises. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for all of these fathers here today, all of the fathers watching us online, Father, Lord, that they will be celebrated greatly today, God. And as we dismiss today, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would remind us, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, Father God, that we are your children. Lord, that you have called us to be the, the light of this world, that you have called us to be the salt of this earth, that you have called us, Father, not to blend in with it, but to stand up, to stand out, Father God, to reflect your glory, God. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. Church, I leave you with this blessing as we dismiss. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. The peace that his word says he gives like none other. A peace that supersedes all understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, the church of God says, amen. Amen, amen, church. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Fathers, don't forget to grab your lunch back boxes at the end. Before it. <laughs>